As Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1, 20. Hey everybody, this is Reagan Gillen and I'm Stephanie Reed Meyer and welcome to Off Script, our podcast where we talk about uh, the past week's sermon, stuff that didn't end up in the sermon, other uh, jokes and other <laughs> fun facts that we like to discuss. And this week we've got Stephanie on the podcast for talking about week two of our Heavenly Peace Advent Sermon Series. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks. I'm excited to be here and talk about jokes. Yes. <laughs> Let's just do jokes this the whole time. Definitely my type of preaching. <laughs> yes. It's mine. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm excited because I don't know. I'm sure we did interview you sometime for Christmas, but I would love to know what Christmas tradition do you have? I mean, you've got miles. So are you guys starting any, like, things that you want to continue that's a great question. Uh, we have like a little advent calendar that's a pop-up tree that we get to put an ornament on every day. Is it the Harry Potter one? It is not. Oh. It's like more Jesus-y than that. Oh. I wish it oh. was. Oh, we have the Harry Potter one. Well, oh, you do? Yeah. That's a humble brag. Yep. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> we have the Christian one. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's always a lot of fun. And then Miles, we actually did his first gingerbread house decorating yesterday with him. I want to do one with Jude. How did it go? Was it, it went it? fine. So we got a kit that the house was already like made, okay. which was way better. Where so did it you was get just this? icing and stick stuff on. I don't know. I need that. Someone gave it to us. Okay. They have hundreds of them at Central Market right now. They're that just like pre done. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're really cute. Because that's the hard part. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if those count as traditions. And I'm going to be honest, we haven't gotten out a single Christmas item because the baby is coming at the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know anything we take down will need to be put back, back up, up. Mm-hmm. which is very daunting. I feel like uh, the year that we had Andy, she like she wasn't due till the end of January. But I think, I don't know if we put stuff up that year because I was so worried that she was going to come early. Right. And then we're like, well, then I don't want to have to put a wig. I think we might. So I feel you on that. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is. And like Miles likes looking at like the Christmas lights across the street and like he's not like, where's ours? Mm-hmm. We also have a cat um, that really uh, challenges our Christmas tree <laughs> abilities. Yeah. So usually our Christmas tree lives in the guest bedroom with the door shut. Yeah. Because the cat eats it. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole Christmas thing in the Reedmeyer household. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, Jake asked me this yesterday. I guess Chris inspired everyone with his preaching yesterday mm-hmm. talking about this. So I love The Grinch. Five o'clock dinner yeah. with myself. I can't cancel that again. Um, so good. The cartoon one? No, no. the Jim Carrey Jim Carrey one. one. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite. What about you? I do love the original Santa Claus. Have you watched the Santa Claus like TV show? No, we've only watched like one or two episodes, but mm-hmm. it's, it's is really, it good? Yeah, okay, it's really cute. It's cute. It's really um, cute. Yeah, the Santa Claus and Elf, which I did not, I couldn't believe that's almost twenty years old. Like, yeah, how did that happen? Um, oh, but so I really love. I also really love um, 
The Holiday and Love Actually. Oh, yeah. Those are good ones. And then I just love terrible Christmas movies. So when I rap, typically I just put on Netflix or Hallmark, like yes. whatever the romance They're holidays. So Chris was hating on them Sunday in his sermon, but like... They're terrible, but you could just watch them, mm-hmm. and it's mindless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always a happy ending. Spoiler alert. Yeah. There's a really great one that is called, I think, Small Town Chris. I don't know. It's got Dean Cain in it, which, you know, was my first love, my first <laughs> um, from Lois and Clark, New Adventures Superman. Mm-hmm. And it is literally just a terrible movie, like how it's done, how many mistakes are in it. But you love it. But, like. Well, my husband loves it more because he <laughs> loves to make fun of it. But, like, yeah, it's if you're looking for a, just a terrible movie, yeah, I would recommend that one. Have y'all ever seen Holiday in Handcuffs? I sure haven't. Yeah, that's a... Tell me more. That's I believe it's a Hallmark movie, but it is... I think it's the chick who played Sabrina, the okay, teenage Melissa witch. Joan Hart? Yeah, Melissa I mean, I think Joan that's Hart. Her name. That's her name for sure. And... <laughs> I felt like it was the guy you were just talking about with her. Definitely Dean King, because he is known for making terrible, terrible movies. Yeah. Like, there's some sort of plot line that involves uh, her needing someone to be her uh, fiancé for some family event. event. Okay. And for one reason or another, uh, she ends up putting him in handcuffs and forcing him to come on this trip, I believe. Okay. (laughs) It's it's a hoot. It's usually on when my mom is cleaning during Christmas time. Okay. I'm going to look this up now. It's when you have to do mindless things. Mm -hmm. Wrapping, cleaning, cooking. Someone the other day was talking about, (laughs) it was on Twitter, and they are like, Into the Woods is a Christmas movie. (laughs) Try to correct me. (laughs) And I was like, I know Christmas isn't in it anywhere, but I can get with that. Like, I'm cool watching Into the Woods every Christmas. So that may be a new tradition that I start for myself. Wow. Anytime I can get a musical. Okay. So I guess we should talk about the sermon. Although I could talk about Christmas <laughs> movies. I know. Chris isn't even here. He should be so proud of I us. I know. Well, maybe not. With maybe the not. genre we've taken up on. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you uh, were reading from Matthew. And uh, we didn't read like the full lineage, like the very opening of Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Which have you ever read that? Because it's a lot of names. It's so many names. I'm I, glad I didn't have to read yeah, it. Yeah, I, I Scott loves to read it, because he just like false confidently says. Names, yes, he I'm does. Sure. And I'm like, um, I'm gonna mess all this up. Yep. Um, but is there anything interesting about the people that are in it or people that are left out? Yes. Any particular names that are like are important? That's a good question. So it's interesting because we know that Ruth comes from this line Mm -hmm. so in the first or the fifth verse it says salmon (laughs) salmon was the father of boaz whose mother was rahab so you get boaz and rahab there and then you get boaz was the father of obed whose mother was ruth so ruth being included in this lineage because all the rest are like men yeah except for ruth and rahab so that's really cool oh and tamar's up there too okay so there are a few women which i think it is important for us to note um, and then there's just like a lot of names that sound familiar to us, but they're probably just um, similar names. Mm-hmm. So like Amos is in there, Hezekiah, like all of these kind of names that we've heard before. Okay. But are the females like aside? Because, okay, how are they, how are they written? So 
that's another interesting question that maybe someone more theological than me would know the answer to. Yeah. Because in Judaism, typically the Jewish heritage comes through the mother's line. Mm-hmm. But this lineage is very father heavy. Mm-hmm. So I find that interesting. Yeah. Also because we know Joseph wasn't biologically correct. Jesus's father. Yes. But he is listed here as the father of Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. Verse 16 says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Okay. So let's talk about, so did Jesus absolutely have to come from the line of David? Because that's the focus all the time. Yeah. So it's just that a lot of the older prophecies in the Old Testament talk about the son of David or being related to King David. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And really, if you look at scholars' understanding of the birth of Christ, a lot of them are kind of hesitant to tie it directly to these prophecies Mm -hmm. because they're like, you know, actually other babies were born too that people called Messiah or called like the fruition of that prophecy. Um, So I I don't know if it's necessary, but I think the fact that it can be traced, it makes it an easier leap for people to be like, oh, look, let's connect Jesus' birth to this prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think I asked Chris about that last week a little bit about like, um, a lot of the prophecy that we read, we like, it's very hard to keep our, like to take our, I guess, Christ glasses off. Like we read everything through that interpretation, but a lot of the stuff that was written really wasn't about the Messiah, like the Messiah, I guess. Um, cause that was interesting how other people had that title, um, and how there's definitely plenty of people that probably came before that claim to be the long-awaited one, but actually. Yeah, weren't. so in something I read recently, it talked about Matthew was such just like a scholar of the Old Testament, of scripture reading. And so for him to make the connection to King David made sense because he was so well-versed in it all. But the everyday Jewish person probably would not be looking for that lineage. Okay, interesting. Um Okay, so Joseph really is not talked about a lot. He doesn't have a big speaking role. Like, I mean, he didn't play a big role. He he didn't. Um, and so, do you kind of love that he's left out a lot, <laughs> or what's your feeling on that? I don't love it. That would be so rude, Reagan. I would um, never say that. So. But I do prefer Luke's insight into Mary. Um, I don't love that Matthew just kind of skims over Mary. I so know. So I will say that I have an issue with that, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, he's. It's kind of like she's a passive character in this, and it all just happens to her. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luke, we get, like, the Magnificat, where she has all this, like, voice of justice, and we mm-hmm. get a relationship with Elizabeth that's more than just about love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so I wouldn't say I love that he is left out in Luke's version. However, I don't know that he is the point of this story. So the fact that Matthew targets him so hev- heavily, mm-hmm. I'm interested in the motivations there. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the whole lineage being like all male and then for the most part um, and then Joseph but I, I mean, okay, I don't love that Joseph is left out of, of like, a lot of the story. You guys, don't hear us say that. But because women were left out so much, and you're right. I mean, Joseph did have a role. It's not like he did nothing. But um, 
I don't know. It's like, yeah, this is this is a woman's time to shine a little bit, and so yes. I kind of don't mind that he has a, a smaller role, I guess. No, so. I agree. I what I do appreciate about Matthew's point of view of Joseph is the like internal struggle he is clearly facing. Yeah, um, because that would be hard to hear that mm-hmm. the woman you're engaged to is with a child, mm-hmm. especially if you don't know anything about that. Um, you would need to dismiss her quietly. Mm -hmm. Like that is very normal. And actually it's expected to make a big deal about it and shame her, which Joseph doesn't do. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that about our brother, Joseph. Yes. I think it's interesting um, reading. um, I'm sure you have a lot of different like nativity books books for, for miles. How like I need to like take a picture, but it's like, you know, uh, one page will be like Mary, an angel came, and then the next, like the next page is like, and Mary and Joseph were so excited, <laughs> you know. And you're like, that's how it happens. That's out of it. Or um, there's one Christmas movie. I want I don't, maybe it was um, the Nativity or something. I can't remember, but like it was a, came out a handful of years ago. But like the scene is that like there's this sheet or something that Mary's behind, and then like it shows her belly and Joseph. Like he does have a reaction of like what. But then he's very excited. Like, I just feel like, I don't I don't know if that's how it went down. Yeah. <laughs> like, he definitely had a struggle for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think it's weird maybe for us to read, okay, so this angel came to him in a dream and said it's all cool. Um, because, like, we make fun of dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when we have dreams, we're like, nobody wants to hear that. Like, that's your subconscious or mm-hmm. that's not real. Uh, but for them... In this time frame, dreams were how God connected with God's people. And so it is very normal that Joseph listens to the angel here, um, even though it sounds kind of hokey to read about it. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I want to jump into how you look, um, you bring up um, our identity, which I thought was a really, really interesting and creative way to think about this the story and so you say identity it's the essence of who we are sometimes it's connected to our family of birth other times it speaks to our personality or our character and still other times it's reflected in our culture or our practices who are we who are you and I thought oh gosh this is really good um and you thought about how you've had a pull of your own identity which you were in uh FFA, Future Farmers of America. Never forget. Never forget. Which I just have to say, <laughs> being from Kansas was not in that. We did not have that. Stop. No. We didn't have FFA. Just no. 4-H. We had 4-H, but mm-hmm. not, not but at my like school, kids. I don't think. No, yeah. Really? It's usually 4-H is usually a community. I'm thing. sorry you didn't grow up knowing where your food comes from. <laughs> I promise you there are FFAs in Kansas. I'm sure so I'm sure there is FFA in some Kansas schools, but mine not did not. Even. I just want to point that out. Um, so you said you had an affinity to agriculture and crops because um, your mom's family were farmers and then your dad's family were Methodists. Um, yeah, and I could have picked like 500 things. You know, yeah. like my mom likes baking. Like we all have these things that have like mm-hmm. trickled down to us. Yeah. Um, and you said my identity has shifted and labels have changed throughout the years, but there's always something inherently um, me to who I am. Something that brings together nature and nurture and all the experience I've had in my life. I love that. Um, so how do you see people, like people that you minister to or like when you're in youth ministry, how people struggle 
with their identity? Yeah, I think it's kind of this internal question we all have. Who are we? Um, especially when so many of us maybe feel like imposters in mm-hmm. so many ways in our lives. Um, I know there are times where I'll be um, speaking to a congregant or something. I'm like, who am I to answer this question for? Like even today, Mm -hmm. even though I know I'm qualified, I am confident in that. um, I know I am called, but we just still have these questions within us. Um, And so I think that is inherent in all of us that Mm -hmm. we question, are we really who we are portraying to the world? Are we really showing people our true selves? Are we putting on a mask? Um, Working with youth, you see this all the time. I mean, youth are really, either they're very, very confident in who they are, or they have no idea Mm -hmm. what what they want in life, who they are. Um, And so I think giving us something to anchor ourselves in. So that's what stuck out to me the first time I read through this passage preparing for the sermon is that Matthew seems to go to such great lengths to talk about the identity of Christ. I mean, we get that lineage that's 17 verses long. Um, And then we get Joseph, who's like, who's this baby that Mary has? And then we have an angel declaring who it is. Um, And then we have Joseph actually naming Jesus, which is ultimately adopting Jesus into his life. So identity seems to be very pivotal to what Matthew's trying to do here. Um, And so I think the question for us is, who are we truly? And I don't know that a lot of us can answer that honestly. Mm -hmm. I do think that it changes, um, but I do think that we know there's some truth in who we are. And I always point it back to where are we are all children of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's like the Jesus-y answer. But I feel like, especially with youth and children, if there's nothing else they're sure of, they can be sure that they were created by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's real hope in that message, especially around Christmas when things seem so up in the air. Yeah. So I love that you talk about how, yeah, there's so much conversation of who Jesus was, like a lot of conversation about before he was even born. Right. Like, could you imagine? I'm pregnant right now. Like, what if we were just here speculating about this baby? Uh Uh-huh. Like, that seems crazy. Yeah. It's not even earth side. She's going to be this, and she's going to do this, and she's going to act like this, and say, like... She's going to save the people. Like, this is just, like, such heavy stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like, Jesus, like he had to have struggled with his identity you know he a little fully human right yeah that's got to be part of it i mean i have to like imagine that there's points where he's like i don't want to do this i'm not going to be that like there had to be some sort of can i just be a carpenter like yeah. my dad who's not really my dad yeah can i just yeah um but i just think about and it, may, it makes me think about how i raise my own children you know like what are the pressures we put on them? Like the expectation to like, no, this is who you're going to be. This is what, yeah. I don't know. What other, um, growing up, were there other jobs or careers that you thought about doing? Yes. Duh. I was going to be the first female president. All right. Also, there's still time. There's still time. There is. Yes. Uh, that was the biggest thing that I wanted to be. Um, I always wanted to be like a, world shaker leader or something which a pastor can do that yeah did your parents ever like put pressure on you to do anything particular no they always wanted more for me than they had for themselves okay 
you know? So it was yeah. like kind of a loose thing. Even when I became a pastor, my dad was like, I just always thought you would be like very successful. <laughs> not that he does not see what I do as success. Yeah. Um, just monetarily and like it's a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I don't feel like my parents put any pressure on you. No. I mean, I mean, for a long time I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but so when I did say like, I want to go in the ministry, they're like, okay, so you're, not, you're going to be more poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, go get a graduate degree. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I don't feel like they had any, yeah, I don't feel like I had any particular pressure. I mean, to do well in school. Yeah. But I never felt like I had to, I had to make straight A's or I'd have to be, I don't know. That's how I was too. I think though, I felt pressure I put by myself. Like yeah. I just put it on myself. You're firstborn though, right? I am. Yeah. So. so I was youngest and so they were real tired by the time I came around. So they were like, Reagan, if you make it to school, you make it to school. Yeah, really. <laughs> They're like, we can see the school from here. So you just walk. Um, Okay, so, yeah, and I think with expectations, too, about who Christ is, I think we can even do that, too, in our own beliefs. I think some theologies, too, um, or different denominations, whatever it is, like people have an expectation of who Jesus is and what he should do for us. Yeah. And that can get kind of... Dicey. Dicey. Um I don't know. Do you have any experience of people sharing like, well, I thought Christ was going to do this for me and he didn't. Yeah. I mean, mostly it's more vague things like healing or, Mm -hmm. um, protection, uh, these sort of things they prayed for, you know, unanswered Mm -hmm. prayers are always what people expect. Yeah. Do you think that people, I don't think people have the expectation of Jesus being so concerned with those on the margins I think that was probably a surprise to people absolutely and I think a lot of people forget that today too yeah Uh, we're just in this hyper politicized world where people are like oh Jesus would vote for my candidate when really like we don't see Jesus involved in the politics of the day Mm -mm. we see Jesus in relationship with other humans Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not always poor sometimes it's the rich that he's having dinner with and um, it's all equal amongst the people. Um, and so I think we like to even today still put expectations on Jesus um, that aren't fair. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely mix some things like, well, Jesus would definitely be about this or about yeah. this issue or be pro or anti, whatever it may be. Right. That confidence. And it's like, well, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Jesus would love people. That's like the only thing I'm super confident in. Yeah. In my theology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, uh, so Stephanie are leading an Advent study and uh, incarnation by Adam Hamilton in week one. Talking about the title of like Messiah and King. And uh, one of the activities was, uh, saying like uh, political slogans from people that had ran for president, some that had won, some that had it, and then we talk about like what would Jesus, what would it be his like one liner if he were to run. And so that was interesting. Most people said like love people, yeah, or God was, is love. It was interesting because we had different groups of people, and that always came up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there is something we can get behind. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So what is the scandal of this story? So I think the scandal on a first read of this story is that Mary is pregnant 
with a child that is not Joseph's, who she is betrothed to. So I think that is like a huge, like people reading the story would see that and be taken in. Like this would be like page six, like this is gossip 101. Um, and then the fact that Joseph calls off the engagement, that's another scandalous thing, you know, if he were to go through and do that. So I think those are all scandals on a first reading. Um, but that the real scandal is that Jesus, the one who came to save us, who gives us grace, um, who came for all people, was born in a stable, even though everyone expected a king mm-hmm. in a palace. Um, and he did everything we just talked about. He loved people and he um, fraternized with those on the margins and those in higher power. Uh, and he just looked a lot different than everyone expected. And for me, that's the real scandal <laughs> is that um, when God came to earth, God came in the form of a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, yeah. It it doesn't make sense. Like if you were to write this story, you would not write how it all played out. No. Like at all. In any sense, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you, uh, I thought it was interesting, you focus on obviously Emmanuel it's kind of our advent theme yeah um and you let's see I'm looking at your your manuscript so you say that so this Matthew text is coming from there's a portion from Isaiah which is Old Testament which we talked about advent one yes and and so what's happening to the Israelites at the time that the the old scripture was written. And Mm -hmm. then this new one that the Israelites in both time periods are in the midst of suffering. So what's going on when it was first the Isaiah passage and then like the Matthew. Yeah. So in Isaiah, that's where we had the reading from Advent one, um, just a few weeks ago. And that's King Ahaz. Um, and that is him that Isaiah is actually addressing all of this to, um, and he is kind of faced with this war. Chris knew the name. It's like Syro Ephraim might or he whatever, would know it. you know, scholars. Um, <laughs> but it's a war that is ultimately putting like the northern kingdom against the southern kingdom. The Syrians and the Assyrians are all a part of it. So confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. I think I even talked my group into circles a little bit, um, which hopefully made me feel a little more human to them. Um, but so they are really in the midst of like the cusp of war. Um, and so we know that the Babylonian exile is coming in Isaiah. All of these tensions are forming. Um, so it really is war heavy. Uh, and then in Matthew's version, Matthew's version, Matthew's setting, um, the, the Israelites are being abused and taken advantage of by the Roman empire. Um, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have had a lot of rights taken away. Um, God has been silent for all of these years before Jesus came to. Mm-hmm. So the people, um, have been distant from God. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a tension that's very obvious in both of these settings. Um, they're not peaceful places. Okay. So this is a long chunk of time where they're between Isaiah and Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. That, these people are suffering. Right. Well, in Matthew, I mean, we know Matthew wasn't writing this like as Jesus was born too. you know, like this is even way after yeah. Jesus. 
Um, so yeah, you you say okay, I'm going to finish the rest. You said the Israelites yeah. in both time periods are in the midst of suffering and seem to only have more suffering ahead. I'm like, what? Which I know this, but like, as people that are maybe looking for a quick solution, like, or those that maybe when Jesus came, they're like, okay, great. What's a baby going to do for us? You know, um, is that like fair that people are suffering? Like God's people are suffering. I mean, Reagan, I think it's realistic, (laughs) you know, like Uh I think we are all, I mean, maybe you don't feel like you're suffering right this moment, but like as a world, as a people, there are wars. There are these moments of tension even today. Yeah. Right. Um, there's war. I mean, in Iran right now, the fight for women's rights, Chris actually talked about that in a sermon. I thought that was a really good segue. Um, but also just reading the old Testament, they suffer a lot all the time. Like from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. there's a flood. There is war. Mm -hmm. There's an escape from Egypt, all of this stuff. And I don't, I think sometimes it sounds nice to say, oh, we're going to be Christians and we'll be so happy and lovely and everything will be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not just true of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of drama. And so I do think there is suffering. Are we supposed to suffer? I don't know that God created people to suffer. Okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. believe that. However, I do think that things in our lives, for whatever reason, Um, do cause us suffering. Mm -hmm. And so what does it mean that even in the suffering, which let's just say that's a fact of life, we are going to suffer either collectively as a world or as individuals. What does it mean that God is with us in every moment of suffering? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to talk about that. You say, I mean, you have a sentence that just says collectively we suffer. So what does that, what is that? How do we collectively suffer? It's a good question. Yeah. You're looking at me like, sure. <laughs> I I think it's... Or should we suffer? Like, should we collectively suffer? Like, yes. I don't know. That is a question I can answer okay. right away. Then answer that. So I do believe that when one of us suffers, we all suffer. Okay. So I think we are interconnected as humans. Um, and I think if someone somewhere is having injustice done to them, then that affects us here too. Okay. So what, but what if it like, it has nothing, um, okay. Um, um, let's say like in Iran, like that Mm -hmm. doesn't really impact me to my day to day, but like, should I, how should I feel towards that? I guess as a human being, you should not be okay with it. Okay. Reagan. Yeah. Uh, I just think that let's point it back to Christmas. So Jesus came for all people. Um, And so I do think that we need to have a heart for all people. Mm -hmm. And so when we see people hurting, even if we are not hurting or we don't know what we could possibly do about it, we shouldn't just turn our eyes away from it. We need to take note. Um, And sometimes that can be really exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. How do we help every cause in the world? Um, And it can also feel very... um, maybe exhausting over time because we'd feel like we're not making progress. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that Jesus came so that we can all love each other and take note of one another. Um, And that means seeing things, even if we don't know how to address it right away. Yeah. I think, 
uh, it's been a good reminder for me as I'm trying to learn more about history of like things took a long time for whether as simple as like uh, this came to mind for like women getting the ability to vote like or just certain things or um I don't know slavery whatever it may be you think well like it should only it should only take a little bit long and you read and you're like oh this was like a really long process um and if we're reading like oh gosh Jesus came a long time ago and yet we're still (laughs) dealing with injustice it can be easy to throw our hands up and be like well this is just how it is but I think keeping in mind when a brother, a fellow brother or sister, which we should view people as our brother and sister, like whether we think differently, live on different sides of the world, whatever it may be. And like you said, it can be very overwhelming and all consuming. But I think there's something that Jesus kind of came to be into like, no, look, I need, I'm here to care for people, but I need you to care about people. Like I need you to continue Yes, I am with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Um, but we've got to be about, like, helping and loving people. And uh, it shouldn't rest right in our spirit when someone is, like, suffering. Because that's, like, we are connected. Um, so that collective suffering should always be something we're probably, like, aware of or thinking about at some sort of level, I think. Right. And it's not super happy to talk about during (laughs) Advent and Mm -hmm. Christmas. And, you know, you want to have all this joy. Uh, But I really think that that's pointing back to that scandal. Like, it isn't what we expect. Mm -hmm. Christmas isn't just about woohoo. It's also about looking at hard truths. Jesus had to come to the earth Mm -hmm. because it was so broken. Mm -hmm. Um, We are still a broken people. We just have grace now. Yeah. um, Which is redemptive. And gives us hope for a future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, talking more, not that we love to talk about the darkness and, like, how bad it is, but with Advent, thinking about, like, no, Christ came to be the light, like, because things were bad, and things are still bad, but we have this light. Um, and so, yeah, again, it can be really overwhelming and feel like, I don't want to focus on a negative. I just want to sing those happy Christmas hymns, but that, like we have to face the truth of like there is brokenness and this light, this, this God that promises to be with us always is, yeah. is our hope. And, um, yeah, we've got work to do for sure. And I think there's a lot of ways around Christmas that we can really serve others where we can really bring glimpses of that light into darkness. So I just thought of a tradition I grew up doing in middle school and high school on Christmas Eve, my mom and my sister and I would wake up early and we would go to our home church in Waxahachie and we would prepare meals that they would serve on Christmas day. So we would slice ham and put a little pineapple next to it and a cherry Uh and we would make these tons and tons of ham things um and dessert and we would prep it all so that people um not even people who were experiencing homelessness but those who just didn't have family to celebrate with could come and have a meal on christmas day Mm -hmm. and so for me that was always like a reminder like oh there are people uh who don't get to have the christmas i get to have and so what does it mean to serve them um and with miles we love to go get items for the Dooley Christmas market every year. Um, we like to pick an angel off the tree. Like there are just ways that we can serve and work on combating the darkness mm-hmm. here and now Yeah, that are important 
traditions yeah that i probably should have mentioned when you asked about family That's all traditions right. so um growing up we'd always go caroling on christmas day yeah. in, the hosp- in the hospitals that's fun um it was part of uh the lions club i think okay mm-hmm. um so we'd always have like a, a cart with like flowers so we'd give flowers to people and, and go singing and my, i did it with my my dad my dad would always go and then usually like at least i feel like i went almost every year and sometimes my brothers um but yeah that was like a fun tradition yeah uh, to do, but yeah. So I think that is like kind of how I deal with the darkness in the holidays is looking for those moments mm-hmm. where we can share love and share hope to others and remind us that we are collective in this. Mm-hmm. It's not about me getting presents under the tree. Um, it's about us as humanity working toward a brighter future. Yeah. That's my political slogan. I like it. Stephanie <laughs> Reedmeyer, 20. 20- 20 what whatever i don't do math (laughs) (laughs) math is hard um okay uh well i think that's all i have do you have anything else you want to share no i wish we could get into the list of jokes that i had to leave out of this sermon but maybe another week maybe another week we'll do that um okay well thanks for being with us and remind people um, so we have lessons in Carol in traditional this upcoming week. And Reagan will be preaching in modern. And I'll be in modern. And then the following week, you're December 18th. You guys have lessons in modern and lessons and carols. Yep. And then what time is your Christmas Eve service for modern? And the modern will be at 11 a.m. Okay. And then should we just go through the whole Christmas yeah. routine? So we have family services that Reagan will be with Meredith at mm-hmm. four. Yep. 4 p.m. And then Chris is preaching at 6.30. Correct. And Reagan will be in that one, too. And then I'm preaching at 9 o'clock, and it's a communion service. So very beautiful. Um, And then Chris is doing the 11 p.m., and that is communion also. Mm -hmm. And youth choir sings, which is fun. Yeah. And then what's happening on Christmas Day, Reagan? Christmas Day, we're having one joint service, 10 a.m., and I'll be preaching and I'm going to think of what I'm going to do. It's going to be great. Everyone come. Everyone come, please. It'll be great. Um, Okay, well, we hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Offscript, and we will look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.